Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> so my name is Paul, uh, and I am a nurse at St. Jude Medical Center, and I work on a cancer floor. So I see a lot of patients with cancer, and <clears throat> a lot of the symptoms that they describe feel very hopeless. They feel scared and alone, whether it's pain in their back, pain in their bones that they feel like they can't escape, whether that every breath that they take feels like shards of glass in their chest. And there's a lot of clouds of uncertainty and doubt of what will happen. What, who do we call? What do we do? What's going to happen to the kids? And there's this uncertainty and hopelessness that they feel. And many of us have experienced this in our own lives. And naturally, the question is, where is our help? Where do we turn to? And the answer to that question is found in our passage today in Psalm 121. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 121. In the Pew Bibles, it is on page 516. And a bit of the background of this psalm is, uh, these are a song of ascents, and as you can see in kind of the, uh, the subheading of the psalms, Psalm 120 to 134 are these psalms that the Israelites would sing and they would address to one another and to themselves as they go towards Jerusalem for the, the annual feasts. And this travel and this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it's a dangerous one. It's uh, heat stroke can happen. Uh, robbers can uh, come and attack. It's difficult. It's weary. Muscles aching. Blisters on their feet. It's not like our, our travels today where we're in a car and we can be in the nice air conditioning. Uh, but this journey that these Israel, Israelites would go would be uh, difficult. And, and some of those same uh, uncertainty, these questions of doubt, um, they would be experiencing. And they would use this psalm, Psalm 121, to address those issues. And so uh, let me read this psalm for us and to find out the answer of who we are to turn to. This is, this is the word of the Lord. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He, will, <clears throat> he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord, <clears throat> the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the main point of this text and the main point of this sermon is the Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our keeper. And we have three subpoints uh, that show and support that the Lord is our keeper, particularly his power in verse 1 to 4, his protection in verse 5 and 6, and his preservation in verse 7 and 8. So power, protection, preservation, and that's how we see that the Lord is our keeper. 
So notice with me in verse 1, uh, the psalmist looks to the hills. I lift up my eyes to the hills, and he asks the question, uh, where does my help come? So naturally, what are these hills? And scholars and commentators are kind of split. Uh, they think, uh, one camp thinks that the hills are in reference to Jerusalem, and the hills uh, are kind of a reference point of it's a difficult journey to Jerusalem. On the other side, the other camp is that they think, scholars and commentators think that it's these idols that uh, they may be tempted to trust in, the idols in the high places. And the Bible references in the Old Testament uh, numerous times, uh, more than 60 times of these idols in the high places. Uh, regardless of what the hills are, uh, the main point that the psalmist addresses is, where, where does my help come? And he answers the question in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And it's this question and answer that it's kind of like he's preaching to himself, as Martin Lloyd-Jones would say, it's, you're, you're talking to yourself. And he's asking this question, the psalmist, where does my help come? And he's answering it. You know, let me counsel my heart, similar to Psalm 42, when uh, the psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? It's the same kind of, let me counsel my own heart. Uh, where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, regardless of what the hills are, the point is, let's turn to the Lord who made the heaven and earth. So, the psalmist is drawing the attention to Genesis 1, he's addressing, go back to the Creator God. And it's not just this vague help, uh, like help comes from the Lord. But if you look with me in verse 2, it's my help. Uh, the psalmist is saying, no, 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 my help comes from the Lord. So as they are journeying, these pilgrims are journeying to Jerusalem. It's almost as if it's like, look to the creation of the earth, look to the ground, the rocks, the hills, everything that we're journeying to, and look to the one who created those things. That's our help. Or even as they're journeying and they see the burns, the moon, the stars, the light, and they're looking at the heavens and they're seeing, you know what? It's the Lord who created those things that is our help. So we really see God's power in that He is our keeper. Uh, we see His power yet again in verse 3. Uh, this image of he will not let your foot be moved. And it's this image and metaphor for he's not, God's not going to let you slip and fall. So uh, in this context of uh, the, the pilgrims going to Jerusalem, uh, you know, it's, it's a very scary thing to slip and fall. Uh, there's no hospitals around. It's what you see is what you get. And uh, the psalmist is using this imagery of he's not going to let you slip and fall as kind of this God is watchful and caring for you. Um, and he's going to stir to you. So where your kind of knees are shaky and wavering, God's going to make you sturdy. He's going to keep you. Uh, and that second line, he who keeps you will not slumber, just helps clarify and show God's power that he does not slumber. He does not sleep. And we see that in verse 4, the second half. He who keeps will not slumber, verse 4, will neither slumber nor sleep. So we really see God's power in, in His keeping His people. And, it, and verse 3 and 4 actually just 
show this keeping individually in verse 3, he keeps your foot. Uh, and then in verse 3, he who keeps you. And then verse 4, the psalmist is saying he keeps also Israel, uh, corporate people. So both individually and corporate, uh, God keeps these people. And, and verse 4 is kind of this shorthand way of saying that look to the past evidences of God keeping his people. So you can imagine that uh, when the psalmist is, is counseling his own heart and he's saying help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's this Genesis time. And verse 3 and 4, it's almost like look to Exodus. Look to how God keeps Israel. Uh, and I'm just going to throw some examples. Um, you don't have to turn there with me, but Exodus uh, chapter 2 uh, captures this God's watchfulness and care for his people. Uh, particularly when uh, it says, this is what it says in Exodus 2, 23 to 25. I'll read it for us. You don't have to turn there. Uh, it says this. Uh, During these, day, these many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. And if you continue that story, we see the Lord rescuing his people out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt. And it's this evidence of God's power in keeping, watching, and guarding his people. Uh, he does not slumber nor sleep. He is this tireless care. So God does not clock out where I clock in seven a.m., clock out 7.30 p.m. God, there's no, there's no clocking out. He's just all-powerful. Oh, praise God for His power in this way. Uh, and furthermore, we just see, if you just trace the entire Old Testament and seeing God keeping Israel, uh, you can remember the ways that God rescued Israel from uh, the, uh, the Philistines in 1 Samuel. We've been going through a 1 Samuel series. And we see that all these nations are attacking Israel, and yet God keeps them. We see another evidence of God keeping His people through, uh, through the wilderness. God is sufficiently providing for them to the promised land. And you could go on and on uh, that God keeps Israel. And so verse 4, really the psalmist is, is giving us evidence of, hey, as you're going to Jerusalem, remember all the ways that God has already kept you, and He will keep you even now to this journey. Uh, so look to the history of God keeping His people. And notice the thrust of uh, how God does not sleep or slumber. He's never... Tired, he's all powerful. Uh, in contrast to the idols, uh, in First Kings eighteen to twenty to forty-six, uh, this is story of Elijah, and it's this battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and it's kind of like God of Yahweh, uh, Yahweh versus all these idols, and it's this beautiful story and scene where. <clears throat> God comes and intervenes when Elijah calls upon him. But when all these uh, prophets, 450, they call out to the idols, nothing happens. 
Uh, and Elijah actually mocks the prophet saying, wake him up, cry louder. He, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe these idols are sleeping. And that's why uh, they're not intervening. Uh, and, and you just see that God is tireless and powerful. And yet these idols are weak. Uh, and, and in terms of applications, this just goes to show, man, like our idols are so weak that we need to muster up strength for them. So, for example, take our idolatry of comfort and entertainment. The very fact that we need to turn on our laptop to turn on Netflix just goes to show how weak this comfort and entertainment is. Uh, And you could just take that with money. You could take that with any idolatry. Uh, And you just begin to see that, um, you know, the idols back in the Old Testament days, there were shrines but it's the same effect of we worship something other than God. Uh, and that's what idolatry is, is worshiping something other than God. And uh, again, that, uh, the idolatry of comfort and entertainment. What help is that? Um, you know, if you really think about it, that you're just like an ostrich hiding his head in the ground. You're, you're not really dealing with the issue. No help is coming. You're just pretending that the problem is not there. Um, and it just goes to show that our idols are so weak. Uh, so, fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, turn away from your idols and turn to Christ. Turn to God who is all-powerful. Uh, and yet again, in verse uh, 1 to 4, I, th- I think many times that I read those passages and I, I actually live out the anti-psalm. David Powelson, he, uh, he calls it the anti-psalm. So you kind of replace words, uh, particularly uh, in verse 2, uh, if you replace my help comes from the Lord rather than the Lord, you just insert the opposite, the, the anti-psalm. So many times I live this life of my help comes from me, myself, and I, who, who made nothing. Uh, I'm too weak. Uh, verse 3 and 4, it's I... I need to sleep. I'm too weak. I can't stay awake for more than 24 hours. I need to sleep. I'm too weak. And and I think this psalm is just addressing uh, the weakness of the idols as well as ourselves, that we need help outside of us. Uh, We need help from an all-powerful God. Uh, So non-Christian friend, we're glad that you're here, uh, but realize putting your trust in yourself and putting your hope in yourself it's not going to satisfy you. It's not going to get you anywhere. Um, because ultimately, we will fail. Our health will fail. <clears throat> not only do we see the Lord's power in keeping His people, but uh, we see His protection. And this is found in verse 5 and 6. Uh, so we see His protection. Uh, so notice with me in verse 5, uh, the psalmist now just plainly, clearly just states his point. The Lord is your keeper. Uh, Whereas verse 2, 3, and 4, the psalmist is is describing kind of who is this Lord and what he does. Verse 5, boom, so clear. The Lord is your keeper. And the the second line, the Lord is your shade on your right hand, just helps clarify in in what way is he your keeper. Uh, And this uh, imagery, the Lord is your shade on your right hand, It's kind of this Hebrew imagery of protection and presence. 
So it's similar to that concept of hide me in the shadow of your wings. Uh, it's depicting God's protection, his guidance, his presence. Um, and also, uh, it's the shade on your right hand. So the person's right hand and the shade is always with you. You know, the sun is, flo- uh, the sun is shining and you see the shade. And it's this idea of God is always with you. He's protecting you. He is guiding you. Uh, and verse 6 kind of just exemplifies that even more. Uh, this, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Uh, and this is beautiful Hebrew poetry right here. It's this totality of day and night. God will protect you. Um, so it's not a literal, you know, the sun, he's, he's like a roof. But it's this imagery and um, a metaphor that God will protect you all day all night from everything. Uh, And and we see this kind of Hebrew poetry in kind of uh, the opposite ends of the spectrum. So another example that you guys may be familiar with is uh, he forgives our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. It's this totality of east and west, fullness, expansiveness. Uh, Same thing in verse 8. It's you're going out, you're coming in. It's this all, all aspects, this... Um, expansion of God's protection for His people. That there's no corner in heaven and earth that His reign and rule is not there. Um, The sun, the day, night, moon, God's going to protect you. And those are all just imageries um, of God's protection for His people. And uh, just a a word of um, how do we understand Psalms here is uh, this kind of uh, parallelism. And Hebrew poetry uses parallelisms. Uh, and what do I mean by that? So uh, the reason why I wanted to bring it here is because uh, in verse 1, we see this, uh, verse 1 and 2, it's kind of this question and answer, right? Uh, the first uh, lines, they are in conjunction with the second line, and they have a relationship. Some of these relationships could be as um, verse one, uh, 1 and 2 show. It's kind of a question and answer. Uh, verse 3 and 4, it's uh, kind of this uh, further clarification. Uh, he who keeps you will not slumber, and he also keeps Israel. So it's individual, corporate. Uh, and the second line helps clarify the first. Uh, and then in, in uh, verse 6, we see the sun uh, by day and then the moon by night. It's kind of these opposites um, just to show kind of the expanse, uh, expansiveness of God's protection. And that's kind of how we are to read the Psalms. It's, um, it's not like an a, a English, we use rhyming, you know, the, the last word rhymes. But in Hebrew poetry, it's kind of these parallelisms that the first line and the second line have a relationship. And that's how we kind of understand what the psalmist is addressing. Uh, whether that's repetition or clarification, uh, the first and second lines, they help uh, us understand what's going on in the text. And we really see God protecting His people in verse 5 and 6. Uh, and in terms of application, uh, this really just goes to show that the safest place is to be underneath God's protection, under His rule and reign. Uh, So let's run to God uh, that that's the safest place, that there's danger in the world and sin, 
but let's find our trust and refuge in God. <clears throat> and lastly, we see his preservation in verse 7 and 8. Uh, so look uh, with me in verse 7. And we see that the Lord will keep you from all evil. And different translations say uh, evil is a representation of uh, calamity, disaster. So another way you could read this is the Lord will keep you from all disaster, uh, harm. And it's this idea of the second line, He will keep your life, that God will keep you in all circumstances. Um, In every circumstance, the Lord will keep your life. And then verse 8, again, just shows the, um, the totality of God's preservation is He will keep your going out, your coming in, this time and forevermore. So this keep your going out and your coming in, it's this double meaning of, yes, we're going out to Jerusalem every year. Uh, but it also is in reference to kind of the everyday of life that we go out and we come in. Uh, We go out and we come in. And this is actually kind of similar to uh, the church context. We assemble together, we gather, and then we go out and we scatter. Um, And it's this idea of all of life where we go out, we come in. God will preserve his people in all situations. And some of you may look at verse 7 and may feel a little mm, like, does that mean God keeps us comfortable? That means... You know, he relieves us of all suffering? And the answer is no. And what God is doing is similar to that of Psalm 23, actually. Uh, that the Lord is, his, is my shepherd. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So God is with his people. He preserves his people in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the harm, in the midst of all evil. And in the New Testament, it's so clear that uh, the New Testament says that we will face trials of various kinds. This is what James says. And what great joy it is that God does not abandon His people, uh, but God is with His people in the midst of it. And your gut may feel like, ooh, I, I, don't, I just don't know if I can believe that or trust that. Because you may be questioning, where is God in my health? Where was God when my dad was diagnosed with cancer? Where was God when I lost my job? Where was God and all these doubts come in? And you feel like, ooh, I, I just, I don't know if I could believe this truth about God. And, and again, the psalmist is He's just counseling our hearts, but remember who God is and how He keeps your life. <clears throat> and what great, uh, uh, what great joy it is that God actually preserves His Son, Jesus. And this text actually shows us and gets to Jesus here by showing that God preserves His Son, Jesus, to the cross. And in Jesus... Uh, God preserves them through the temptations in Matthew 4 that Satan tempts Jesus three times. And yet God preserved Jesus. Uh, Yet again in uh, the garden um, when Jesus prays that, God, if you could take this cup away from me, but let your will be done. God is preserving his son, Jesus. God preserves his son to live the perfect life that where we have rebelled and not have lived that perfect life, 
Jesus did. And God preserved Jesus to be that perfect sacrifice, to die on the cross for our sins and rise again three days later. And that was God's preservation for Jesus. And so non-Christian, I, I plead with you to repent of the ways that you rebelled and sinned against God, where you trust in yourself. I plead with you, trust in Jesus. Turn to Him. Why? Because He will not only forgive you, but in Jesus you have reconciliation with Him. In Jesus we have adoption into His family. In Jesus we gain all these benefits. Uh, And fellow Christian, uh, there is this New Testament version of this song. Uh, And it's Romans 8. And if you actually would turn with me to Romans 8, it's this beautiful passage that we have of God preserving us. As God preserves Jesus, by extension, He preserves us in Christ Jesus. Uh, So would you turn with me to Romans 8? I'm actually just going to read 31 uh, to the end of the chapter. But uh, Romans 8 as a whole, I mean, just if you guys can devote yourself to just meditating on these truths, uh, I think you have wonderful security in Christ Jesus. Uh, so Romans 8, I'm just going to read verse 31 to the end, and we're going to just highlight how God preserves us in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we have been we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's in Christ, all those things in 37 to 39, death, life, angels, rulers, nothing can separate us. Why? Because God is the one who secures us, preserves us in Christ Jesus. And this is basically Psalm 121, that God preserves us. He preserves our life. He secures us for eternity. Health will fade Clothing, possessions, money will disappear. But our security in Christ is sealed by the Spirit. By Christ's blood, we are sealed. What great joy we is to, to, to come to Christ and confidence we have in Jesus. <clears throat> and in this last stanza in Psalm 121, you could turn back there, uh, we, we really see this all-encompassing summary of God as our keeper. Uh, We see God keeping in Genesis, verse 2, made heaven and earth. Uh, We see God keeping Israel, His covenant people, verse 4. 
And then in verse 8, from this time forth and forevermore, this kind of eternity, the future that God preserves His people. Uh, so in application, uh, we can really cast our anxieties on Him who keeps us, who cares for us, who protects us, who preserves us. Um, and before I exhort you to uh, depend on the Lord, and we're going to go through some practical application, uh, be encouraged that we as a church, we seek to do this. Uh, we seek to do uh, this dependence and confidence in God. Uh, how? We do this in our service. We do a prayer of praise, a pastoral prayer, uh, an evening service uh, tonight. And we do this to depend on God who keeps us. So we want to, as a church, trust in God together, knowing that He is our keeper. And we also want to do this in our lifestyle, that uh, we would be dependent and have confidence in God who keeps us. So, very practical application. Uh, So, fellow church members, uh, one way we could do this is pray through the membership directory. So, membership directory. uh, Legitimately... Each day, you can just go one page at a time and, and just go 1% of the time and pray whatever you see in the text. So maybe this week when you go through Psalm 121, just to remind yourself of this sermon, uh, just pray that Roseanne would be reminded that it's God who preserves her, that David, that Jen, Jesse would all be trusting in God and have confidence in God who keeps them. Uh, and this is just a very practical way of uh, praying whatever God says in His Word um, and trusting Him and praying for the church. And pray specific things uh, from the Scriptures uh, that addresses our hearts. So just like the psalmist, he's addressing our hearts, um, not necessarily the circumstance and the change of circumstances, but the psalmist is giving us, oh, no, 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 let's trust in God who made heaven and earth. Let's trust in God who preserves us. Uh, so, pr- when we pray for each other and one another, uh, make it specific uh, about our heart posture, that our hearts would be trusting in God and not in our idols or not in uh, things of this world. And, and thirdly, uh, in regards to practical application with prayer, um, uh, pray that uh, we be creative in how we do that in our lifestyle. Uh, so maybe that is before you go to work, before you start your car, you know, you, you pray and, and, and ask the Lord, I want to trust in you as, as I see in Psalm 121. I want to trust in that you are my helper, so help me, O Lord. Uh, maybe that's you are going to walk around your neighborhood. Um, and as you walk around, you're going to be praying. Um, <clears throat> and so there's many creative ways, uh, but I think this this text in Psalm 121 addresses us to be trusting in God, uh, to be confident in Christ. Uh, therefore, we can cast our anxieties upon Him and pray to Him. Uh, and the last application here, uh, before we conclude, is um, our, our, a word of the benediction. Uh, so if you look in our uh, service, we see that uh, we're going to sing, He Will Hold Me Fast, and then the benediction. And this benediction is kind of uh, a word of exhortation. Uh, it's similar to that verse 8. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's like when you leave this place, when you leave these doors and you go to your workplace, your home, wherever it is that we trust and obey God who keeps us. 
so as, as we hear the benediction um, after this uh, service, may you be reminded that as I go forth, maybe to the July 4th celebration on Tuesday, that you would be trusting in God who helps us, whether that's evangelizing, whether that's working faithfully at your work, whether that's discipling others, whatever it may be, uh, may we trust in God who keeps us. Uh, so back to uh, kind of the introduction of uh, where does my help come in all these situations, job loss, health, uh, health issues? It comes from the Lord um, who is our keeper. So let us together trust in God who keeps us and let us depend on him in confidence uh, knowing that Christ died on the cross and rose again. So with that, let me pray for us together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are our keeper, our help, our protector, and that you care for us with a tireless care. We confess the ways that we trust in ourselves. We confess the ways that we place our hope in other things, not of you. But God, we thank you that you secure us with the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus, that he lived the perfect life for us and on behalf of us. And we pray that you would continue to keep us as we go forth, whether we're working or at home, that God, that you would keep us. So help us to have confidence and trust in you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.